Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kinley. And each episode, we focus on one book on music. It could be a memoir by a musician or a biography on a musician or composer. It could even be a fictional character who happens to be a musician, composer, etc., music historian. Music, I made the impression it's like music. I mean, it could be, it could be, it could be just a person who likes music, right? Sure, why not? So that's what we do on book music. And today, we are very excited to discuss the book, The History of Bones by John Lurie, published by Random House. And Kimley, you're a fan of, uh, of the Lounge Lizards and John Lurie. We should explain who he is, to case anybody doesn't know who he is out there. Right. Uh, John, John Lurie is the... I think I first heard of John Lurie... When did the first Lounge Lizards record came out? Was it in the 70s, late 70s? Mm, I think they started in the late 70s. I'm not sure when the first record came out. Maybe early 80s? Well, if I was really good, I could do research and, and get all that prepared. It's <laughs> a policy of, at least my policy of book music, I, I, I think the viewers, I mean the, the people and the viewers. <laughs> the listeners. There's no images of us here. Uh, the <laughs> listeners would have such great enjoyment to Google or look in their own record collection to find out. <laughs> Who am I to destroy your pleasure of doing your own research <laughs> there you go there you go you know it's funny because i did look up all their work on all music but i uh neglected to memorize the dates of all the we don't do releases. that we let no. we let the we let the listeners do that type of work right we well i to... can say they had four studio albums okay go ahead that were recorded somewhere late 70s early mm-hmm. 80s i think it was the first one and then the last one i think was at some point in the 90s mm. Um, and then they had several live albums as well. I think they had more live albums than, than studio albums. And Okay, so John Lurie is part of this group called the Lounge Lizards. Um, they are sometimes called like a fake jazz band, right? Is that the, was the right, which he hates. Yeah. He gets into that in the book. And I, and I, I agree with him on that. I mean, they're not fake jazz. Actually, Lounge Lizards is an excellent band that makes jazz music. That's kind of retro. I mean, because it was recorded in the late seventies, but obviously there there's definitely an appreciation of bebop jazz, and I think especially like soundtrack, um, jazz soundtracks of mm-hmm. uh, of the fifties or early sixties era. Yeah, I think somewhere I read something. Somebody, some critic, said that they were like a mix of. Thelonious, I can't remember. If yes, Thelonious Monk to Bernard Herrmann, the great Hitchcock composer. I was going to say exactly <laughs> the same thing. That, mine is Thelonious Monk to Henry Mancini. Okay, yeah, okay, that works as well. And so it's basically the lineup is uh, John Lurie playing sax. Uh, I, I can't name all the musicians, but Arlo. Well, Lurie, and it changed quite a bit yeah. over the years too. It wasn't consistent except for John Lurie and his brother Evan. Right. So. The, the cool thing about it for me was um, I was such a, I think both of us were such huge fans of the New York punk rock scene and the post rock, I mean, the post yeah. punk New York scene, like the no, the, you know, the no, the no, no wave, wave. Uh-huh. as well as the kind of the new wave and the punk and the experimental stuff. And so I was intrigued by Lounge Lizard because they had a really cool album cover, the first album. 
Yeah. Very minimal. Great. Yeah. And the second thing, and a cool picture of them in a black and white photograph, they're, like, they're, yeah, like, they're all wearing suits, yeah. they're very moody. Yeah. And the other thing that appealed to me is that Ardell Lindsay, who I knew of at the time because he was a guitar player and singer for a band called DNA, which I would think is a New York noise band of sorts, right? So I know Ardell Lindsay's, at that time, Laura Lindsay played this really brash, loud guitar work. And it's like aggression, you know, pure aggression. Right. And he right. takes that aggression guitar work in the Lound Lizards landscape of a sort of like um, jazz movie soundtrack, um, sort of uh, 50s uh, bebop music. Mm-hmm. Definitely more like Thelonious Monk influence, again, would bring his name up because I think yeah. that's like well, a Well, they even cover, they cover a right. Monk song, I think, on the first or second album. Yeah. Yeah. So that is fit. So if you like, if you like Thelonious Monk, you like jazz in general. You like sort of the coolness of Henry Mancini. What was the other person you mentioned besides Bernard Herman? Bernard Herman, of course, who did all the Hitchcock films. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a very jazzy New York Soho East Village sound in a nutshell. How can anyone not resist that, right? <laughs> then yeah, on top of that, John Lurie, the main you know the main lounge lizard, the main lizard of sorts. <laughs> Uh, was in uh, a couple of Jim Jarmusch movies. Um, what was the first one called again? Um, Stranger Than Paradise, Stranger which is Paradise. one of my all-time favorite films. Yes. Who does not love Stranger in Paradise? Yeah, it's such a great movie. Great movie, right? Jim Jarmusch. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. And then Down by Law. Mm-hmm. Another great one. With John Lurie, with Tom Waits, uh-huh. who's great. And who was the Italian actor? Do you remember? Um, what's his first name? His last name is Benigni. Yeah, we'll call it Benigni. Um, we, yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, there's just more research on your end. You know, we <laughs> so that was great. Yes. And then John Lurie went on and worked with Ben Benders on Paris, Texas. He plays yes. like a pimp or handling. Right. It's funny. I watched that movie the other night because I actually didn't remember John Lurie uh-huh. in the movie. And then when I watched it, I'm like, okay, now I know why I don't remember because he has like one line. It's very, it's a very small cameo. Yeah. But um, They're really good. It's, it's a perfect, perfect part for him because yeah, <laughs> he looks great. He's got like a beautiful suit on, and yeah. but he has this totally skeevy vibe of yeah. a, you know, a peep show operator. Yeah. <laughs> With Natasha Kinski? Yes, yes, yes. My imagination goes wild thinking about Natasha and John. I'm sure that's why John did the film in the first place. Of course. And, <laughs> then, and then he had the show called Fishing with John. Yes, another favorite of mine. Um, which is a classic cult. Like, it's, you know, this, John was his friend, Dennis Hopper, but, you know. Um, All the coolest people in the uh, world. Jim Jarmish and. Uh, Tom Waits, Tom Waits Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon, yeah, this is all cool people going yeah. out fishing. And I don't think John actually ever went fishing in his life before the show, right? It's just no, I think he, he did. I Didn't he talk about going fishing with his dad? But I, mean, uh, I think he was just a casual fisher. I don't think he was a serious Well, fisher. fishing with John's very serious because it goes into, like, really into the wild areas of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not, like he's not shark fishing with uh, yeah. Jim Jarmusch, which, he, you know. <laughs> he's not fishing like in... Uh, off the Malibu <laughs> pier. No, like no, it's 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 yeah. He goes like ice fishing with. Um, it's like a tra- it's a travel show. It's sort of like a, yeah. It's like Anthony Bourdain 
You know, it's funny because I was, I was rewatching it and I thought, you know what? I bet Bourdain totally was influenced by this show. Right. His show came afterwards. And they both have that. It's a very similar quality where they kind of go into these all these crazy places and they do these yeah. crazy things. And it has this voiceover that's very deadpan, sardonic yeah. humor that the both of them have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. I realized I was like, oh, I'm sure that Bourdain was hugely influenced by. Without a doubt. Fishing with John. Yeah. If you're an anti-Bourdain fan, you'll be a John Lurie fishing with John fan. Absolutely. Which I, I am both. <laughs> I, and I have not seen Painting with John because I don't get HBO, but you, you uh, seen it. I have. It's fantastic. And apparently there's going to be a second season. So I'm excited. This guy is that. hit after hit. There's not I a wrong know. move this person makes. And on top of that, when I was in Japan, living in Japan in 89, uh-huh. 90, 1990, uh-huh. um, the Showa era, as they say in Japan, in Japanese, the Showa era, um, John Lurie did a, a huge copy ad campaign. Oh, really? You, you cannot avoid the image of John Lurie dressed ah. in his lounge litter suit, drinking uh-huh. a cup of coffee everywhere wow. throughout Tokyo. Small towns, little villages, little bus stops in the middle right. of the Japanese countryside. He's huge in Japan. There is John, John Lurie's like everywhere at that time. Wow. That's funny. I didn't know that. Two people I saw that. It was like uh, uh, Ruchi Sakamoto uh-huh. um, doing a lot of ads. Brad Pitt doing a uh, cell phone ad at the time, uh-huh. and then and then John Lurie. But John Lurie was the, the biggest presence to me. I was like, I, when I first went to Japan and I saw the image of John Lurie almost everywhere. Oh, that's funny. And I thought, well, how great is Japan? Right. <laughs> John Lurie is sort of like the Westerner of representation of the West. Uh-huh. Or Japan to me, and I thought, oh my god, that's incredible! John, they have great taste over there. New York, <laughs> Soho, lounge lizards—never a wrong step ever. <laughs> he never made a wrong step in it, and he composed music for movies and stuff like that. And right, and 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 you know, I had to, I used to have like his old soundtracks to the Jarmusch um, works, and they're great. Little, yeah, almost like chamber yeah. orchestra, almost classical music. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And, and then John Lurie, you're like, what more can he do? What more can this man do? And what he did, <laughs> he wrote a memoir called The History of Bones. Yes. Published by Random House, not like a small press, but a huge mega press, Random right, House. Right, right. Uh, you know, with Penguin Books. That you know, that, This book is going to be in every library in the world for the next 50 years. Yeah, I think it's doing pretty well for him. And you know, it'll probably be a, like a mini series eventually. It'll probably be like a, a Netflix mini series. Oh, well, that would be fun. There you go, right? <laughs> All that Lower East Side stuff. Oh, my and... God, it's going to be colorful. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> Lots be... of drug addicts. Oh, no, it's going to be. <laughs> and everybody that, I mean, he knew everybody in that scene. He from did. Jean Michel Basquiat to Basquiat? Paul, to Madonna. I mean, it's just. Anybody who ever stepped on the Lower East Side makes a showing in this book. So. Yes. So I read the book. That's good. And, uh, <laughs> yes, it is good. Because, you know, I, I totally, I mean, as you can tell by now, I totally appreciate and have a, um, a deep appreciation for John Lurie. Yeah. But I read the book. I don't like him. <laughs> the book is well written. Uh, 
Um, it's it's readable. It's a page turner. I mean, uh, you know, it's like 412 pages. And the one thing that's striking me the most about John Lurie, besides what I mentioned to you, uh, to the to the listeners out there, is that he's not exactly a happy-go-lucky guy. Right. In fact, he kind of like nags a lot, and he kind of like complains a lot. Right. He actually says bad things about people a lot. A lot. Yes, I was actually surprised about that. I mean, he does not hold back at all. But I kind of, I I had a different take on it than you. For me, I felt like he was just really leaning into the sort of John Lurie persona of being the, you know, misanthropic, you know, crotchety old man. And I think I get the feeling that he's actually a very private person and actually Uh somewhat shy, which he actually even says a little bit in the book. Uh Um, So I feel like, you know, he just kind of leans into this persona that, uh, that is as the way people have seen him for so long. And I think that's just kind of what he does. Um, My guess is he's probably not like that in real life. I mean, I don't know. Um, I I feel like he, he plays this character and that's kind of, you know, it's interesting to read all these memoirs. Like for this, for this memoir, I feel like I don't, I still don't really know who John Lurie is like compared to the Warren Ellis memoir Uh where, he actually gave us a lot less information about his life and, and goings on of his life. But I felt like I got a little more in depth. I, I felt like I got a sense of who Warren Ellis was from his memoir. Yes. Um, you know, and that could just, you know, obviously we don't know, you know, that's just me, but. And we're talking about uh, the Nina Simone's gum by. Uh, right. Which Warren is the last Ellis. book we read. Yeah. So even the book is about the title of the book, right? About Nina Simone's gum. But still in that book, you get a lot of um, um, insight from um, Warren Ellis about his life yeah. and childhood. That felt like a much more intimate book yeah. than the John Laurie book. Within <laughs> under 200 pages and Warren Ellis has a lot more pictures and illustrations in his book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he says a lot less, but it felt a lot more intimate. But John Lurie says a lot. He does say a lot. And I mean, I get a sense of who he is. I mean, it certainly got a very strong sense of, you know, how important his art is to him. And when I say his art, I mean, all of the things that he does, you know, not just his painting, oh, so much his music and his, you know, film work. I, I, that, you know, the creative process is very important to him. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's his, he, he talks about that quite a bit, you know, and I uh-huh. think that's where a lot of his disgruntled, disgruntlement, is that a word? Disgruntled, you know, he's yeah. he's disgruntled over when people that he's working with aren't on the same page with him. Which is basically like the lounge lizards in general, like every musician, the lounge lizards. Right. <laughs> Except his brother, I think. Jim Jarmish, that's not, you know, they don't get along that well, or at least he has his harsh words. Yeah, I, I had no idea that there was a rift between them until I read this book, which is kind of sad. Yeah, you know, so, you know, in a way, John Lurie had a really tough life because he, he toured Europe, you know, he, <laughs> though he only lived shows that were disastrous disastrous to him, like bad sound and you know uh, bad right. vibes or bad audience or bad management bad something uh-huh but he stayed in you know he stayed in expensive hotels at times and when he had sex it's usually with two or three girls at a time and models yeah and models you know. <laughs> so you know it's like a very tough life he had i and, know it's rough right and, you know and, and it's yeah, and I, I really simply I mean I really feel the pain there. I go <laughs> no 
great <laughs> albums on good labels that you know that made you know that put his music out. It was a tough world. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, because John is handsome, and I know this because not only have I seen pictures of John Lurie as we all have, but John Lurie himself says he's handsome numerous times. <laughs> Well, wasn't he voted by some yeah GQ or yeah, yeah handsomest or advocate or some that dress, thing, yeah. yes. <laughs> so and then you know and of course women adore him, right? And he adores women because he's like well, he's, he's got a sexy vibe for sure. He's a saxophone playing lounge lizard who's like really good with women, and yes. um, and again he reminds us in that book over and over and over again, <laughs> as well as his you know his his talent, his genius, his his. His his commitment to his art, um, and also you know he had he had a drug side, but you know that's okay. I mean that happens to everybody. You know everybody has a heroin well, problem and stuff. All right, I guess. But you know he did lose his father when he was eighteen, and um, you know he struggled with that. And yeah, the drug problem seemed to be something that was going on and on for quite a while. Yes. And he does talk a lot about how, you know, yes, he had all this fame and everything was going, you know, seemingly on the surface so well for him, but uh-huh. that he was a mess and that he had no money for a very long time, even though, you know, he was on the cover of all these magazines. So, I mean, it wasn't quite as easy as. <laughs> well, he, he, he had no money because he had to pay on his musicians all the time, which is good. He's a good band leader. Right. He, take right. Care of the, he takes care of his band. He pays him money. And what happens? They turn against him. Why would anybody turn against John Lurie? I don't know. Maybe he's a difficult guy. I mean, why? I mean, like, you know, all the filmmakers have a problem with him. The only person who don't have problems is women because he knows women, he understands women, and he is so goddamn sexy, no one is going <laughs> to complain about him. Yeah, but I, don't, I, I did wonder, like, has he had any long-term relationships? It didn't, in the book, he doesn't, I mean, he talks about a few women that have been around for a while, but it doesn't sound like he ever really committed to anyone. I mean, a couple times he said, oh, I should have married that one. That was somebody to marry, but he not. Well, the, the interesting woman is, is, is Kazu Makino. Right, the Japanese woman. But it, their relationship seemed to be more very close friends. Than... Yes, but it started off being a sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that, you know, until like page 399, that she was a member or started Blonde Redhead. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I read it in the book. Did you know that John Lurie really sort of discovered that band and, and gave her the idea to the band and he no, actually found no, the musician? I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. he found their, their twins, identical twins, and he thought these identical twins somewhere in the world and he said you know they should be together and i think my ex-girlfriend or my best friend kazu should start a band you know and maybe even named it blonde redhead so uh-huh. really blonde redheads everything is really is really because of john lurie right yeah because john lurie, you know john lurie sees something he makes them what they are the world really revolves around john lurie <laughs> Well, I think he's a man with excellent taste. He's a he's a beyond excellent taste. taste. He's beyond. He's a taste maker. You know? he, he's he's a, an influencer, as the kids would say today. <laughs> no, very much so. And I read that, and I read his book, um, History of Bones. Actually, what what does the title mean, History of Bones? You know, he's mentioned it in the book, and no. I've already forgotten because it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that was not an interesting story, as I recall. Now I can't remember what it was. Is there a sexual connotation? I mean, like no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I have to be honest with you. I, I really didn't like the book that much. Oh, I thought you liked the book. You just didn't like him. 
You didn't like the book? You just got annoyed. Well, I got annoyed by him talking about the girls that he slept with. Sometimes he names them a lot. And I also got, you know, it's sort of like this weird gossipy thing he has. And then, you know, it's hard to criticize a book sometimes because there's elements of, of good things in a book. You know, when he talks about uh-huh. music or, or traveling stuff, you know, and you're intrigued by that. Right. But then he sort of destroys it by talking about his complaints. You know, it's like he's endlessly complaining about being in a band, being a band leader, being a composer. Uh-huh. You know, Oscar Levent based his whole career on complaining. Right. And he's hysterical. Uh-huh. John Lurie's funny. Oscar Levent is hysterical. Oh, okay. See, I think John Lurie's very funny too. So I didn't laugh that much because I don't laugh. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't. I found his 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 put down on other people of his pro- profession or others uh-huh. were, you know, it was kind of a turnoff to me. I mean, mm. the, the thing he has with the basket basket. Yeah, Jean Michel Basquiat. Yeah, who's like his best friend, I guess, and is you know. But yet there's a competitive streak between them, or he feels a competitive streak uh, with him in a way. Mm-hmm. And even that I found kind of um, off-putting. Hmm. And I just felt hmm. like, you know, he, he's definitely not the Dean Martin of the world, like, you know, let's have a drink and let's groove and let's all, you know, mm-hmm. get drunk. There's something, there's a, a great deal of sort of anger in his in his approach to things. And it's sort of like, you know, he makes fun of himself in a sense, but then he takes himself really serious in mm-hmm. in many ways, and I did not like that. I mean, there's one point uh, kind of close to the end of the book where um, he comes back to Jim Jarmusch and, and you know, their sort of uh, destroyed relationship, and then he says, uh, we are all flawed, we are all flawed, we are all flawed. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm, is... I think he's lying. Go ahead, finish the quote. He says, in a way, that is the point of the whole thing, how we are all individually uniquely flawed. You think he's lying? I think yeah. he realizes that. No, I don't. I, I, don't think, I don't think he believes that. I think that's right. something to put in the book just to make it sound like it's even. Like he's a human being? Yeah, a human being. <laughs> I murdered 15 people yesterday. Uh, I ate lost. them up. But, you know, I'm, you know, I cry at times. I don't feel bad. <laughs> Okay, wow. Well, I really loved the book. I thought it was just You did. Funny. I know yeah. you really love it. Well, tell me yeah. wait, tell me the other reason why you why you love the book. Um, well, I like his writing style a lot, uh-huh. you know. It's it's not a florid style at all. It's kind of more like a Bukowski, Kerouac, um, stream of consciousness kind of style and yes, I love it is. his I, I agree with his, that actually. I love his sardonic humor, you know, he's just got this wicked black humor. Uh-huh. Um, he has great similes in the book that are sort of like Raymond Chandler-esque like uh-huh. a when he's talking about Barry Sonnenfeld and he says, he says his voice sounds like a duck wearing underwear that is too tight. <laughs> I thought things like, like he had a lot of those kinds of things that I just think are funny. More insults against people. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, he's kind of a Don Rickles kind of guy. Sure. Oh, Don, oh so it sounds like a Don Rickles thing. Okay. That's what I kind of okay. thought of it. Okay, maybe yeah. it is. I might be yeah. just reading it wrong just because I'm just reading it wrong. But. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're reading books, it just depends on, on what your state of mind is, too. Right. And, um, you know, it's it's everybody's dealing with difficult times now. So, it's, yeah, like you say, it's hard to listen to some guy who's, you know, fucking all these models and <laughs> feel sorry for them. 
Yeah, I really feel sorry for that. I mean, it's really, yeah, it would be a terrible existence. <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, at the end of the night, you know, it's the darkest of the night, and he's, by, you know, he's, he's, he's facing his soul, he's facing his thoughts. At the very least, he has at least two women by his side in bed with him. <laughs> well, you know. You work with what you got. But, you know, there was a lot of good stuff about, you know, the whole East Village scene in the yes. 70s and 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. I love when he talked about how, um, you know, everybody was doing something other than what they knew how to do. Yeah. You know, he says, like, all the musicians were making movies and all the painters had bands. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, it made me laugh. I think I've heard him say this before, maybe even somebody else, like mm-hmm. uh, maybe like Tom Verlaine or Richard Lloyd or somebody saying how, you know, you had to pretend like you didn't know how to play your instrument, even though you actually practiced it every right. day. <laughs> and, you know, I, actually, this, this is good. I mean, the good thing about the book, I'm, I'm going to, you know, to be honest, it, it, I think any book that covers that era in New York is a must, a must read, uh-huh. especially if you're interested in that culture and music. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, in that sense, it's a voice. I mean, I didn't like that voice of his. That uh-huh. still, I would not discourage anybody reading the book because it is his sensibility and how he looks at that world that I think is important to anybody interested in that era. Yeah. But I just don't like them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. You know. If I met John Lurie, I, I, I think I'm going to meet John Lurie somewhere down the line. Well, like I said, I don't I don't feel like that's him. I think he's just... Okay. I, uh, I, I, I'm going to feel bad because I know I'm going to meet him somewhere. And I'm, I know... Right. I mean, you're all in the art world. Between yeah, and, and I'm going to say, oh, my God, this, this guy's fantastic. Why did I say these bad things about him on book? <laughs> um... And I feel bad about that. I don't, I don't like to give anybody a bad review or, or say bad things about people. Right, right. Uh, unlike John Lurie. <laughs> who has no qualms about saying something bad about <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. I was thinking a boy Random House might have had, must have had a good time going through all this. Legal. Legal. legal yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I have to assume that everything was... Uh, Okay, by their legal department. And fair enough, I talked to some friends, and 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 a lot of people felt John Lurie's take on Jim Jarmusch is not that far out or far off. Uh huh. Um, okay. So you know, so I think John Lurie's complaints about him are you know they're 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 justified probably. I mean, at least in his life, it's justified. Uh-huh. But it's what it, I guess is the the tone of it. You know, there's a there's a certain character aspect that's really makes a book go for me or not mm-hmm. you know you, i have to like the person to sort of agree with his point of view on somebody else yeah you know even if i i mean i i i pretty much you know what do you can say about jim jarmusch and basically he sort of complains about um uh jim jarmusch ripping off his ideals for strangers and you know paradise and you know right. and stuff like that and you know I think that's probably could be basically true, but I also know that filmmaking is a very collaborative endeavor. Right. And, you know, that's what a filmmaker does. He sort of picks, you know, the ideals of here or there and everywhere, or any artist does. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, even like the lounge lizards. I mean, there's nothing, 
Love is not about being original. It's about having a good concept and about making good music and they're great musicians. So that's fine. You know, you can argue that he's stealing from Thelonious Monk or somebody. You know, but but the truth is it doesn't really matter in the end because it's a, it is a collaborative art. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Jim Jarmusch is obviously Jarmusch has had a very long, distinguished career. Mm-hmm. It's had some ups and downs, but I mean, he's done plenty of great films. Well, how many films has Jim Jarmusch done? In like ten films at least, or more? I mean, oh, way yeah, I think it's way more than that. So, so he made he made so many movies past John Lurie, even. You yeah, know? exactly. I mean, I think the last time they collaborated in any way was the third movie, Mystery Train. Right. right. So, um, and Lurie wasn't in that; he just did the music. Right. But. So it's it's you know, I mean, you can argue about Jarmusch, Jarmusch's worth in in the world of cinema as an artist but you know the fact mm-hmm. is he is he is what he is and he is an artist and he exists to this day and right. you know so yeah so 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 especially when it's a long career it's like you're like okay so he ripped you off and you know and but even reading what how he ripped him off i feel like is that really a rip off i mean it's because you talked or you wrote something and you know, he took it to another level, or he took it on another. Right. You know, I mean, John Lurie right. didn't make that movie. I mean, he's in it, but he didn't make it. He didn't direct yeah. it. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. I think he mostly just wanted to get a little more credit, but yeah. Um, you know, to me, I kind of i I also see sort of the human side of that because I think we've all had situations where we've collaborated with somebody and and you know somehow we didn't feel like we got. Uh, the credit that we deserved or whatever so we kind of all understand what it's like to be in that position so for me I kind of when I was reading those things it was almost kind of like a cathartic thing like oh yeah fuck them you know (laughs) fuck those people who steal our ideas (laughs) yeah so it didn't bother me as much I mean I do understand what you're saying and like I said I think you know when he says like you know Jim Jarmusch doesn't have any original ideas or whatever. I, clearly, he's had a very long career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. If he's stolen all those ideas, well, then he, he has good taste or whatever. Right, you know, I don't right, know. Right, I mean, right, it's right. kind of like Madonna, too. You know, Madonna's yeah. just, she constantly steals other people's ideas. Yeah. But she she has, you know, her her certain aesthetic that she's worked or whatever. Yeah. You know? I mean, a lot of people do that. Yeah. I mean, Bowie. You can say that about Bowie, too. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Okay. One of the few people that come off okay in this book is David Bowie. Well, it's funny because he said he wasn't actually a fan of Bowie's no. work, but Bowie is a fan of his. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> okay. Another thing. But, another, but beyond that. I was going to say, that must have pissed you off, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but at least he had nice things to say about David Bowie. Cause David yeah. Because David true. Bowie, he, he felt in the book, he said that David Bowie came backstage. It's not a big deal because celebrities go backstage all the time. But he right. felt a real um, that boy sincerely appreciated the lounge lizards, and you know, and he was a fan, and he went to apparently a lot of shows that they played, and yeah, and in the essence supported the band. I know it's funny. He said that they went to see them. He said Bowie went to see him at one of his knitting factory shows. Yeah. In the nineties, I was like, "Ah, oh, I saw him in the I saw the lounge lizards in the nineties at the knitting factory. I wonder if Bowie was there." Did you, you didn't recognize him? <laughs> I didn't see him in the audience now. Did you, did you 
Did no, I didn't, I didn't think to look for David Bowie at a lounge lizard show at the Knitting Factory. Well, to this day, I'm looking for David Bowie. Even my <laughs> I lived across the street from David ah, Bowie for ah, a while, and okay. I never saw him. <laughs> and I worked like a few blocks from his apartment, and I never saw him. Some of my coworkers saw him, though, oh. on the streets. Have you, have, you, have you ever seen John Lurie in person or, or lounge lizards in person? I've seen the lounge lizard. Yeah, I just Ooh. I saw them at the knitting factory. And one time, I think I mentioned this on our last episode. One time, I was uh, at a coffee shop waiting in line, and I was right. I was standing behind John Lurie, who's very hard to miss because he's so Handsome. tall and gangly, and he was wearing a suit. And, and he had three models with him. <laughs> yeah, no, he was by himself, as I recall. Oh, that's cool. Must <laughs> be an off night for him, off day for him. <laughs> um, no, he was. He was probably on his. He was just getting caffeinated before uh, well, how, an orgy. <laughs> well, how was the How was the lounge lizard show? Oh, they were great. It was a great show. So, what version is this? Like later day? Uh, yeah, this was uh, some. I'm like mid '90s, I think. Oh, it was nice. It was. It was at the knitting factory that was when they were in Tribeca. I don't think they're in Tribeca anymore. They're now in Brooklyn, aren't they? Is it, is they um, still exist in the factory. I didn't know. I think I think they've the I think they're in in Brooklyn now. Okay. But um the the original knitting factory had was open for about the first year that I moved to New York. Oh, I, I remember. Going. John Lurie says great things about the knitting factory. Yeah. <laughs> You're being sarcastic again. Yes. But he meant the first one. Yeah, that oh, okay. was a dump. Yeah, okay. the first one was a dump. You agree with them? Yeah, no, it was a dump. I mean, it was fun to go to shows there cuz mm-hmm. it was it was you know, it's like going to CBGB. CBGB is a dump too. You right? Know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the Tribeca location was nice. Yeah, you know, huh. better sound and a nice venue. Um, but yeah, the original one was a total dive. Oh, I mean, it's kind of funny that they, you know, I mean, they were essentially a jazz band, but they were playing in all of the punk, you know, little indie. Well, that's what makes it unique. It's sort of like a- yeah. It, it was the world of post-punk or punk rock or art punk or you know noise punk, and here comes this sort of retro at the time. For me, it, the, when I saw when I heard them, I thought it was being like a retro thing, like you know, like we're doing right. like a fifties, yeah, forties, fifties classic uh, jazz, jazz yeah. rock, but you know, it's Arnold Lindsay doing his Arnold Lindsay, right? Rec, you know, but you know, the, the music was so appealing and so great and wonderful and. Um, you know, I'm trashing John Lurie for like 34 minutes. <laughs> but, you, know, I really, you know, you said lots of good things in the beginning about his yeah, work. You and do I mean, like his work. I do like it a lot. I think he's great. Yeah. And most of all, it's very important. Even though I did not like his book, I still love his music. It doesn't stop me from listening to Lounge Lizards or John yeah. Lurie music. Or even seeing sure. Fishing with uh, John. It doesn't, you know, I just don't like the book that much. But I like his work a lot and I, I, I still do mm-hmm. and I respect his artistry and his talent and his musicianship so there's certain people I read and I don't like and I, I, it turns me off their music mm-hmm. like a certain drummer in a New York band um, and, <laughs> and, and, and CGT, I'm not but I swear to God I'll never listen to that band again oh no <laughs> But uh, that's not the case with John Lurie and Lounge. He's, he's a great, you know, he's a great writer. He's a great music person and uh, I think a wonderful actor and uh, has a great sensibility, um, both visually and orally. And um, he's a, you know, I think he's, John Lurie is like 
like a brand brand name is John Lurie. It's it's good, except for the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's definitely this persona. Yeah. Um, and I felt like his voice was very strong in the book. I mean, Ooh. it was funny because as I was reading it, I could hear his voice in my head. Yeah. I actually yeah. double checked to see if he did the audio version and he did. And I'm kind of wondering if that, that would probably be really fun. To oh yeah, to. no, it would be. And you're right about that. That's actually yeah. true. You do hear his voice when you, when you read the book. Yeah. Cause every once in a while, like I, I listened to uh, John Waters reading his car sick book and yeah. that was so good. It yeah. was so fun. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of audio books in general, but yeah. every once in a while, uh, depending on who's narrating it, it can actually be really right. good. Yeah, and nobody can narrate John Lurie. I mean, it has to be John Lurie. Yeah, it. I mean, I figured when I was when I went to look, I'm like, I'm sure he must have done the audio yeah. version. But I would actually suspect that that might be one of the rare times when it might be even more fun to to read oh, this book yeah, with yeah. him uh, doing you're, it. Yeah, you're, you're actually, I think you may be right. About yeah, that. Mm-hmm. yeah, because his voice is so strong and yeah. just. Uh, you really can't hear him saying all yeah. that. So in, in a nutshell, um, I had problems with the book. You love the book. I loved it. I, I was laughing it. Okay. out loud. I highly recommend the book. Okay. I, <laughs> I recommend John Lurie in general, but not the book that much. But, you know, I do recommend in the sense that it's a, it is essential because he's John Lurie and he's writing about his past. That is very yeah. important. It's very, and anybody very that wants to know about that whole New York yeah. scene, which you know, obviously we love. We've read a couple books from that. Yes, era. we're crazy about it. Yeah, and I think anybody who is interested in that scene will want to read it because yes, he does touch on a lot of what's going on there. Yeah, he has his own view of it. And yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So the book is the history of bones by John Lurie, published by Random House Books, and uh, you got our our opinions on it, our <laughs> thoughts. And it might- Kimley gives it a thumbs up, Tosh gives it a thumbs down. <laughs> I, get, I get a thumbs down with a very complex feelings. It's not, yes. it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not, a, yeah, I, I really don't like like five star, four star, three, two, one. No, I know, I'm like, joking. I'm making a I parody know. of the, uh, what's I, I, I make movie a very, critics. <laughs> I want to make it very clear to uh, the, the world of book music that I don't look at, um, books or music or any art that way it, uh, yeah. any art has a complex relationship with the reader or viewer yeah um and it's not it's not this good bad it's always deals with all the the subtleties of that work and and how it's how it's displayed in front of you and um you know i appreciate anybody who presents that work in front of me including john lurie in this book the history of bones published by random house I say that mm-hmm. sounds like we're getting something from Random House, but we're not. We're just, just, <laughs> just yes, yes. And um, um, mm-hmm. you know, I thought it was interesting. The book kind of ended very abruptly. I didn't realize it was going to end in 1990. So I'm kind of wondering if he's going to have a sequel. <laughs> well, you know, Much to your chagrin. <laughs> okay, this is actually an interesting point because we know that John Lurie has serious had serious medical issues. Yeah, uh, Lyme disease. Right, and cancer. And cancer of some sort, which I didn't know too much about. Yeah, any, I don't know what kind of cancer he had, but he mentioned it in the painting with yeah, John so he, series he, that he had cancer. He, he does it in the series. 
Yeah, but I assume he's he's been cured. Or, or yeah, okay. Yeah, so, or in remission. Anyway. So the book doesn't deal with any of that subject matter. No, it stops in 1990 right. uh, with a uh, Lounge Lizard's New Year's Eve show, and, and, and you mentioned the cancer and the Lyme disease is bypassing. It's not it's not right. a big issue in the book, or or, right. or subject matter in the book at all. So I suspect that uh, he is setting himself up for a second volume, or I or would imagine, may yeah. focusing in, on his recovery. Um, and I hope he. I wish a long life and a, and a very healthy life and a very fruitful life. And and John Larry does a lot is is well like the TV show painting with John. He's really focusing on the visual arts. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why he's been doing all of this stuff because he's trying to promote his art. Now I think that's his main primary focus. Apparently he's has trouble playing music uh-huh. because of the Lyme disease. But I did hear something about I, when I was doing my research for this, that he was actually going to compose some music for the second season of right. painting with John. So maybe he's uh, getting a little healthier and a little ab- more able to do music again. Oh, one thing I want to add, I can't mention names or anything because it's not my role to do that. I, I also want to say that I, I know something in the film business who asked permission to use images and a sound from John Lurie world. And he was wonderful to work with. Where he, This person that you knew said John Lurie was wonderful? To yeah, work with because he was very like, uh, you know, because it could be a thing where they could screw you or not give you permission or, oh. or that type of thing. And, and he, and he was very, very, um, easy to work with and oh, and, and all okay. that oh well that's nice to know isn't it nice of me to say the good things about somebody that i thrashed for the last uh, <laughs> well see i think that just goes into what i was saying but i yeah. don't really think that that's who he oh is. no he's a bad person but you think he's a bad person <laughs> but he did this one good thing for somebody you know i, I think, he, I think he, 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 there's 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 moments of uh People are complex. Yes, and their greatness. Uh, their greatness. Nobody's yeah. pure evil no, or no. pure good. No. Uh, Except me. All, yeah. Are you pure evil, Tosh? It's <laughs> what I crave. <laughs> uh, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for... Um, listening to book music there'll be a playlist for sure with this our show it's going to be a great one because when you enter the world of john lurie it's a it's a huge mega world of of fascinating music and it's going to be a pleasure to put this together for your listeners and um and we will um see you uh, down the road a little bit right right and then you can uh, follow us on facebook and instagram and twitter for all the latest news And as Tosh said, we're going to have playlists on Spotify and Apple Music. And you can find links to everything on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. So thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.